am just going to dive right in. So tonight, I want to talk about profits and everything that entails profits and profitability and understanding the difference between the two. So this year, I grossed a lot of money, a lot. And with that, I have to plan how to expound on that and how to multiply that for next year. So I am strategically planning all that I need in order to understand how to do that. And what I saw this year with, um, as far as profits are concerned, that's what I'm sharing today. So the title of this presentation is what makes your business profitable? And it's the idea of profit versus profitability. All right. So let's change this asset and go to what we will be talking about or the order of everything. So I'm going to start with, of course, defining profit and then defining profitability and then going deeper into the 10 steps to maximize your profits. And these are things that I just, you know, thought about how I did um, for 2021 and what helped me reach the milestone um, and surpass my financial projections for 21. And then, of course, the overall sentiments for profits. Um and then uh, business coaching. That's something that I'll, I'll finalize it with because that is something that as I have the physical space now to invite people in, it's something that I will be doing for 2022 and beyond. So yes, this will be um, something that's going to be recorded. So the whole presentation will go to IG Live. Um, so many people bought the corresponding notes. So the notes page is just a space for you to write down um, what we're talking about here. So you have it in one location, you know, like with me when I'm doing a class or something, or I'm looking at a, a video, I have notes in random spaces. So the purpose of that notes page was to just keep everything in one space. Um, I'm going to ask that if you have questions, to write it in the question um, bubble. So if you look at the bottom of your screen um, online with comments, it's a little bubble with a question mark. So just put your questions there so that I don't miss it because I'm not necessarily looking at the comments. All right, so let's go to the definition of profit. And let me find it. All right, so profit is very simple. It's your sales or your revenue, however you want to call it, minus your expenses. And the way I look at it um, in a more expanded version, it's your revenue. So that's the money you have coming in, um, which you subtract from your COG, which is the cost of goods. So how much does it cost for you to produce your product or service minus your operations and whatever you get when you have that little equation, so your revenue minus your cost of goods minus your operations is equal to your profits. And I feel like what we often get boggled down with is the idea that the number in your bank account is your profits and it's not. So you can look at, uh, take a snapshot of everybody's business account and you have say $1,500, but that is not a true indication of what the profit is because you have to subtract your operations expenses, the cost to do business, and you may have money in there that you owe someone else. So looking at your bank account is not a surefire way to see what your profits are. All right, I'm, I'm going back and forth because I have written notes and then I have my presentation. Um, yeah, so that's that for that. So then 
that was your idea of, of profit. So now we have this idea of a profit margin. And I'll give an example of a profit margin because I had this in real time just last week. So your profit margin is, of course, your revenue or your sales minus your expenses. But then you divide it by your revenue. And what that gives you is a percentage of the profit margin um, on whatever product or service you have. So let me give you a real life situation. So I got this keen idea to create a t-shirt, right? Get silk screened, um, order 50 t-shirts from this company in Bangladesh. And he gave me a quote of $28, actually it was a sweatshirt, $28 per sweatshirt. I'm like, okay. The total came to like $1,400, okay? So then I said to myself, how much am I selling this t-shirt for? Right, because I want to know what my profit margin would be before I even order anything. So I said $1,400 to purchase and have everything made, and then I decided I can sell it for $60, which is very expensive for a shirt for a sweatshirt. So then, when I did the math, the product or the profit would only be $150. So it didn't make sense to me. So I'm like, forget T-shirts. If I can't make it in-house by myself, the cost to create it is too much for me to have a huge profit margin. So I didn't do it. Um, So that's an idea of a situation where if you have a product or service or you're, for instance, for event planners, this is something that I encountered a lot. You have a client who wants this elaborate candelabra, right? And you know that you can go to G&G if you're in New Jersey or New York and purchase it for, say, $99 per candelabra. But do you really want to purchase it or do you want to rent it? So you have to sit down and do the math to understand if you purchase 12 of them, how long will it take you to make a profit off of that money you have to spend? And I do that with each product that I that I buy, each chair the way I um, figure out how much I'm going to rent it for is to create this situation with I typically my my um, profit margin. I want to reach a profit after two rentals. So that's how I figure out how much to to price my my things. Now, of course, some items is just not possible, like the bigger ticket items like a cart or this new site table that I, uh, acrylic table that I have, it may take longer rentals, like three to four times. But I always want to be able to make a profit fast before I even buy new things. All right. So this is this idea of of uh, profit margin. Um, I'm I'm looking at the comments really quickly. Okay, nothing. All right. So then the next idea is this idea of profitability. Now, in my notes, I, um, I talk about the difference between what is profit and what is profitability. And I try to condense it in this, this um, little slide here. And my fonts are not as easy to read, but I'll, I'll, I'll just reiterate it. So basically, the idea of profit, it's an absolute amount. As we said, it's your revenue minus your, dang, I forgot that quick, minus your expenses, right? Um, so you know exactly what it is. And it's more of a short term um, thing because it fluctuates as your business, as the time goes on. Like one month, your profit can be this amount. Next month or next week could be something different. So it's your bottom line income and it's an absolute amount. 
When you talk about profitability, and this is for companies that have been in business for several years, this is something that you would consider. So for me, for petite seats, it's something that I consider yearly because this is almost year eight in business. April will be year eight. And if I decide to sell, I have to show that my business is profitable and, and there is profitability. Um, so that somebody who would want to sell sees a return on their investment. So profitability is a relative amount. It's measured over long term and and it basically tells the long term health of your business or company so that investors looking to invest in your business or purchase your business have a good return on your investment. The overall goal is to have very high profit margins as possible. So as you're buying inventory, as you're sourcing um, items, you want to always make sure that you're able to see a profit from each piece or each service that you offer your clients. And again, your cash balance is not an indication of how profitable your business is. It's not at all. And then, of course, to, to calculate this, th- that's a, a whole nother presentation. That's And that's something that I would definitely speak to an accountant about because I'm not an accountant. I have one and these are conversations that I have with him. But when you're looking at a income statement, so not an income statement, when you're looking at your, um, uh, maybe it is an income statement, you would do a break even for the break even formula to find out your company's profitability. And that's something that I didn't delve deep into because that's above my pay grade. And that's what I would pay my accountant to, to find out and estimate for me. So that would be the difference between profit and profitability. All right, now this gets tricky because I got to remember what's the next slide. All right, so we're going to dive deep into what I learned in 2021 in relationship to profits. So this is basically um, my recommendations of items that I feel would best suit any small business to increase their their profit margins and to increase profits. So the first thing, um, let me find it. Hold on, what is the first thing? Strategies for maximizing profits. Sorry guys, I'm trying to find it on my, um... here we go. So strategy number, so number one. It's to strategize for maximizing profits. And these are things that I have done um, that have helped me to level up, so to speak. So the first thing is working with a coach. I have, over the course of Petite Seats, hired three different coaches um, for very specific things. So the first coach that that I hired was about marketing and um, brand research and branding. It It was all about that. And that was in the very beginning of Petite Seats. And they helped me for six months to just roll out what that would look like. Um, Later on in the business, like halfway through year three or four, I had a coach who helped me with operations because, again, I am doing this solo by myself. And I was having I basically hit a wall with um, the whole process of deliveries and um, invoices and things like that. So I hired a coach to help me with that. So I always recommend if there is a skill or um, a process that you want to learn, that you hire someone to help you. 
whether it be a coach for long-term, one-time payment kind of situation, or you hire someone within your organization to, to address that need. So then, of course, you have tools to streamline processes. So for me, especially this year, I spent a lot of money on stuff. Um, so the first one was uh, Square, which is how I use my invoicing systems. They have so many new features. So $25 a month for this, $30 a month for this. So I did almost everything. So I did their, um, what do you call it? Their like calendar, their, their calendar appointments. I did their payroll. I did their, um, their online marketing. So those were three, uh, tools that I used to streamline my processes. Um, another thing is if you are offering like a service, not a service, a product, you want to buy in bulk as much as possible. Um, Amazon is quick and fast, but if you have a wholesaler, a local wholesaler would be even better where you can just buy your, your raw materials wholesale or bulk. It's always cheaper. Um, I know for me this year, I, I spent a lot of money on local wholesalers for chairs for replacement, like my white Chivaris. I ordered a new set, um, from a local company. And then, um, my ghost chairs from a local company. And of course, I could have went on eBay or Amazon and paid $70 per chair, but I'm like, no, let's go to the local wholesaler so I can buy in bulk. And it saved me a ton of money. Um, increase your pricing. Now, this is something that every business owner, I feel, struggles with. But each year, each quarter, however you want to do it, your prices need to increase because everything around this increase is increasing. Gas, tolls. That's just how it is. So it has to be a steady incremental increase in your pricing for your services because everything else is expenses or is raising in price. So why aren't you? And then the last thing I have on here is this idea that you have to strategically plan to increase your ticket um, value. So what I mean by that is prior to me having the bounce houses, my average invoice was about with the farm tables was about $500. And I knew as I was planning at the end of 2020 that I needed a product that was going to make that increase tenfold. Well, not tenfold, but at least twice. And so the idea of finding something that would increase that ticket value was the bounce houses. And what that allowed me to do was I'm not leaving my house for a $500 order to deliver. Now the ticket um, price is on average fifteen to two thousand dollars. The same distance, similar clients, but now I have increased my ticket value. So that's something um, that you want to consider as you are bundling packages, as you are thinking about what to buy. You want something that is almost like an all-inclusive thing, so that your um, ticket value or your invoice value can increase. So here's some um, self-reflection questions that I have for you to consider. So what upsells, cross-sells, or resells can you strategically implement? And I don't know if I want to, no, I don't want to talk about this right now. I'll come back to that. But you want to think about what in, what can you upsell as you're talking to clients, as you're selling your services? What can you resell? What can you cross-sell? And then what packages can you offer or test to introduce to your clients. So I just had a, a, a conversation, um, like a business planning conversation for this year with Hava. Um, and we talked about what packages we can offer. And it, 
It's not a simple process and it's very different from what I've always done, but I feel like to strategize, to maximize profits, it's something that's vital. All right, let's go to number two. All right, what is number two? Set realistic goals. All right, so we all start the year in January ready to go. We have a whole notebook, new brand new notebook we crack open. You see, I have mine right here um, where we start to write down goals, things that we want. We may even go to a vision board party and cut up some stuff to put on a vision board. But what happens? We write the shit down, we walk away and we forget about it. So my idea of setting goals is to set smart goals. So these are goals that are specific these are measurable, these are achievable, these are realistic, and you have a time frame. And it has to be that detailed because otherwise it's just fluff and it sits on the table or in the drawer and you don't come back to it. So you want to focus on the processes or systems that you can incrementally increase over time to increase your profits. So I'm going to give you an example of what a, a smart goal would be for petite seats. Let me find it. Okay. So my goal is this year I'm going to expand petite seats. Now that's fluff, right? I can write that and I can say that. But how am I going to do that? Like it can't be that two-dimensional. So I'm going to dive deep and I list out all of the S-M-A-R-T's. And for specific, what I have here is... I want to open two branches in the tri-state area within 24 months. Boom. Specific, right? I know what, I know where, I know when. Then is, I want to talk about, is it measurable? So the objective is to increase operations and revenue for my business. So that's something I have to do now in order to facilitate the growth of these two new branches. So I got to bust my butt on the front end in order to have something at the end of the 24 months, um, you know, to show that I can I can facilitate opening two new locations. Is it achievable? So by increasing my current selling price, my current selling space by 25 percent, which means more production. So that means for me, more digital content, more bounce houses. Um, this can help me save for the plan two branches. So yes, it is achievable. Is it realistic? So by increasing production, operations, and revenue, it will mean a larger client base. Thus, I can have the, the, the need for two new locations. Um, and it's not a wasteful idea. And then, of course, my time frame, which I mentioned before, is 24 months. So that gives me something to aspire to. And it's not just a flat two-dimensional, I want to expand petite seats. So I can give this to my team and we can strategize on a monthly basis what steps we need in order to reach this goal for 24 months. So that's how specific it has to be. Um, I'm just looking to see if I have any more notes on this. Yes. So that's it for SMART goals. Oops. Now we're going to go to number three. And number three is talking about the limits that we currently have in business. And for me, it's a lot. 
Like, I realized in 2021, with every breakdown and meltdown that I had, that there were a lot of limits in my business. And they stem from staffing, like, across the board. I'm trying to do everything and be everything, and it just was not physically possible. Um, the next one was location. So most of my business is in, sorry, is in New York. I was going to the Hamptons every weekend, and... It's a three-hour drive one way, so it's a six-hour drive back and forth for the day, um, and you have to sit. You're going to wait all day. So my location was something that you know I constantly thought about, how am I going to alleviate this going back and forth? And then, of course, like I mentioned, your emotional and physical health. Um, it's real for a business owner. Like You have to account for, for that part of it. And how you, you deal with these limits is you seek out help. You seek out the tools you need to break through the limits in a way that doesn't hurt your bottom line. So that's um, what I have for limits. And the next one is number four is, is talking about hiring. So let's find that. Hire for help. Sorry, guys, this presentation is in like so many different orders. And of course, this one that I need, I can't find. Ay, ay, ay. One second. All right, number four. So I mentioned this briefly before. You want to hire for your weaknesses. Um, but before you do that, you have to know what you're strong in and you have to be very solid in what you're strong in. And then that's what you leverage with your team because you are the boss and you want to make sure that whoever you're hiring understands what your weaknesses are and vice versa, what their weaknesses are, what your strengths are. So for me, I am like a computer tab. I have 50 tabs open all the time, constantly thinking and moving. And I am very quick to do things. So if I think about something, I want to do it immediately, right? Like I gave the example of the, the sweatshirt for $1,400. In the past, I would have just bought it and, you know, took the loss later on. But I have um, aligned myself with people who are always checking me, right? They're like, why are you spending this money? How are you going to use it? You know, and that is something that, you need on your team. You need people to constantly elevate where you are. Um, so you want to always hire for your weaknesses. So for me, I have a list here of the things that I that I know I need in order to run Petite Seat. So I need a closer. So that's that person that is a salesperson who can sit and finesse the clients. They can type back and forth, the 50 million questions that clients are asking that are already on my website, but they want that one-on-one -on -one attention or have that phone call with them in order to close a sale. So I need that person. Um, I need multiple drivers because I need someone during the week. I need someone on the weekend or more than one person on the weekend. So that is something that I'm hiring for. I also need an office manager. So now that I have a physical location, a physical office, I need somebody to be there 40 hours a week. Um, so that if there is a need for people to come in to touch and feel the products, they are there. And also to do invoicing for me and assist the closer with closing sales. 
and then a builder. So I have my husband who um, builds a lot of things for me. And what that means this year is buying him that table saw, buying him that miter saw, whatever friggin' table thing he needs, buying it for him. So I'm not spending money to outsource woodwork. Um, so that's what I need for my team as far as help is concerned. Another thing that I am um, instrumental in planning right now or strategically planning is internship opportunities. So I have always had an intern in my business and it's always been an international intern. So it's been a different level of um, connectiveness, I would say. It's always been a 12 week to 20 week um, experience for them. And it's always been for me with social media. Um, and then my client avatars and that back office stuff. So now I'm in the space with a physical location where I am hiring interns to be in my physical space. So I decided to not so much look for um, people in the job market, like, you know, people who have graduated already. I'm going to look for um, go to high, local high schools, go to guidance counselors and have those conversations um, with counselors to find high school students. The reason why I am going into that world of, of um, how do you call it, of digital marketing, right? So I have to have a team that does video, um, video editing, photography, photography editing, and nobody knows that stuff better than a teenager with TikTok and Instagram. Like they can just have a picture where they just smiling and get a million likes. And it's it's that kind of, um, whatever generation they are, generation Z that they have when it comes to social media. So that is why I am going to tap into that market for a local high school and where I am in Morristown, sorry, in Morris County, there's several high schools within walking distance of my warehouse. Same thing for colleges. There are several local colleges, um, that I want to tap into their, their, um, just raw talent. Like, their photography majors, their business majors. They have so many new majors um, that focus around digital marketing that didn't exist 10 years, five years ago. So those are people who I want to reach out to in order to um, to hire for help. Um, another thing, another sentiment that I have is whoever you have on your team has to be a salesperson doesn't matter. It could be your driver. It could be the person that's that's sanitizing your balls. If you have a ball pit, it could be the person cleaning your bounce houses. Everyone has to be a salesperson on the team because it is paramount to you to reach every facet to to bring in clients. Um, So that is, that's, that's how I feel about that. All right. I see some comments coming in. I want to, um, I want to look at those really, really quickly. Jasmine says, and just giving back to the community in ways that, yes, I I definitely, um, I definitely feel that because I remember the idea of in high school, I went to a technical high school. We had apprenticeship opportunities and I think starting in 10th grade. And that's something that I feel every child or teenager should experience. You want to test out to see what you're good at, to see what you want before college. Cause, and, and then the idea that many people are not even going to go to college. So you want to be in a space or create opportunities as business owners so that people have the option to say, I can do this without even 
you know, going to a four-year school if I choose not to, or I don't really like this. So having them, reaching them early is something I definitely, definitely want to do. Um, because that's how I learned to do hair. Like my best friend was doing nails in his aunt's nail salon. And I was there for four years of high school as a, um, shampoo girl. Boom. Went to college and used those skills to make money doing doobies in my dorm room. So having that opportunity to, um, get these soft skills as a teenager is, is vital. All right. So let's go to number five. Let me turn my page here. Uh, okay, so number five is talking about adding value to your clients. Um, I feel like sometimes this gets lost in the operations of your business. Like we do stuff as business owners and we forget that we are not servicing ourselves. We are servicing clients and they are the most important aspect of our um, our sales and our marketing approaches. So you want to prioritize your market research to identify your clients' lifestyles, their taste, um, and create this whole client avatar. So in my first ebook, I go in depth about this 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 avatar. And if you watch my lives before, you know my avatar is called Bonnie, and basically, it's who I sell to, right? It's, it's, it's my clients, um, all of the, the physical attributes of my client, of my ideal client. And I know that Bonnie avatar back and forth. So anything I do, any chair or table that I source, it's to fulfill their need and their aesthetic. Um, the next thing is to, uh, eliminate tasks and activities that don't add value to your business. Um, or your clients. So for me, something that I thought about this year, um, and I didn't fix it until August, was this idea that by me driving up and down the highway, um, I'm not adding value to my clients. Like me being on the highway for 40 hours a week is impinging upon me giving my clients the best service, right? And so that's something that I had to eliminate. And it was a slow process because I initially hired two drivers and lost one. And it's something I'm still tweaking, but I know it's not adding value for me to be in the street all the time. Uh, So that's something that I'm working on. Um, Another thing about adding value that I've had numerous conversations with business owners about is styled shoots. And this is something that people ask me all the time that are like um, new planners is are style shoots beneficial to your bottom line? And this is me answering this in year seven and a half. I'm going to say no. I do them because I love them. I do them because it's fun, but it's expensive. So on average, I'm spending 3000 per style shoot. Now, do I get that money back? Not always. One year, was it last year? I think I did like nine or 10 style shoots. Or maybe been 19. I don't remember. That was a lot of money. And I didn't see that money back. You know what? I don't even know. Because that was an, an idea of me doing stuff and not stopping to see how I made the money back. What makes me money is creating a two-dimensional lookbook, putting it on my um, email listserv, and having people say, I want this look. But doing a style shoot, a full production, 
does not translate to much money for me. I can do the same thing or achieve the same look or the same outcomes or similar outcomes or better outcomes by just creating a little um, lookbook, a digital lookbook, sending it out to clients via email. Boom. I can track who, um, how do you call it? Who purchases from that email? It's so much better. Um, So this is this whole idea of eliminating tasks that don't make you money. So what else do I have to say about this? Um, Yeah, that's it. What I hired my um, my last intern for was to do the market research for my clients so that she delved deep into developing my client avatar. So my Bonnie and down to um, like where they where they shop where their kids shop. So those are things that I look at. So for instance, a lot of my clients love baby Dior, right? I don't buy that stuff. It's expensive as shit, but they love that. They love the Gucci, the kids Gucci. So I would go to those websites. I would go by the stores on Madison Avenue and I would look at their window displays and I would look to see what could I, um, so when I'm making these lookbooks, what could I, what tables and chairs will complement these looks? Like that's how deep you have to go into this market research. And that's not something that you take lightly. Okay, so I prefer, this is a comment. I prefer to to put this money in my kid's birthday and not do a style shoot, but I understand you'd love to do them. Yes. So that's something I, I've done um, a, when my kids were younger. Younger, well, they're, they're still young now, but... I did two um, huge birthday parties for my girls when they were three, turning three and five. And then I think I did six and eight um, in my backyard. Boom. Beautiful. And, and you know, it was a tax write off because I um, I used it as a, as a promotional event. But even with that, it was a lot of money. Like I spent like eight thousand dollars and I'm just like, we could have went on a trip. So it's it's. I've gotten very strategic with with the whole idea of shoots um, because it's just, it's a lot. It's a lot. All right, so let's go to number six. Number six is strategic innovation. Um, So focusing on strategic innovation. Now, this is some, this is when you need thought partners, right? Because for me, as I said before, I have 50 tabs open. I'm always thinking about the new, next new thing. And I always love to have conversations with people about, do you think this makes sense? And so when you have a team or you have um, f- frienders that can you can have these conversations with, it's always excellent before you start to spend money. So for me right now, Bundling products is something that I want to roll out in 2022. I want to be that one-stop shop for kids' parties. And that is, that's, that's for me, I feel like that would be profitable. And it would, it would um, help my bottom line. But what that means is that I have to increase my inventory for specific things. Carts, walls, all of that kind of stuff. So I am right now doing the market research on that. How much this is going to cost me. And then considering all of the delays in the, um, I'm about to say the pipeline, all of the delays in the supply chain right now to get this stuff before March. Well, no, let me say before April. 
um, new products not currently on the market. So what products can you introduce to the market right now that are not there? Um, and you want to be able to shorten your sales cycle. So how long does it take for you to close a sale? Like that's paramount for you to continue on and get more and more business. Um, speed up your design cycle. So what I mean by this is right now I have a, a I, I buy bounce houses from two different vendors. So I have one of the vendors who has some very nice, innovative products. And of course, right now, East Coast is cold. So I'm looking at the West Coast to see what's happening over there because it's hot all the time. So whatever is new in the whole bounce house world, as far as designs are concerned, I'm looking to see what I like to bring back over to the East Coast for this summer. And so I had a conversation with her. Her name is Jenny. I had a conversation with Jenny and I'm like, um, I see a lot of stuff that I like. But it got to make sense, right? Because I bought these colored bounce houses and they didn't do as well as the white. Um, so I am asking her because, you know, China is basically closed in February for their, hot, for their new year. I asked her um, what can, if, if I make something or design something, what, how long will it take you to give it back to me? Because I need things before spring break, right? And if you're closed in February, can you do it in four weeks in March? So I'm trying to design something now and have her speed up this whole design process so I can have everything before April. But then that also means I have to make space for it. So there's so many moving factors um, when it comes down to your design cycle. And then, of course, you want to create unique and valuable content via social media. So reels are king right now. Video is king right now. Um... I was just looking at Stephanie um, A and A. I can't not remember her her company her her business name, but anyway, she did a reel with her spray painting um, trees. It's almost at a million views right now, right? And and I said to her, um, if she had monetized it, she would be making some money right now. So she got over like 8,000 followers in like two weeks. Amazing, amazing. So I am encouraging everybody to get on this real um, uh, bandwagon. There is a comp a woman, um, I can't remember her name right now, but I'll link it later in a story that has an excellent reels course. And I basically, I didn't even look at it. I gave it to my intern to look and she took notes. And so those are the things that I implement um, I will be implementing as I start this whole, yes, ANA event stylist. Thank you, Jess. Jazz. Um, she is, I'm going to pin this. Uh, she is, she, 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 what do you call it? How do you, you she trend, um, with, with her, um, with her reel. So video was king right now. And that is something that, um, having valuable content and unique content is it's great because it definitely does help your bottom line. You get followers, which will in turn turn to clients. So that's a huge piece of, of the video marketing. Um, so the questions, the self-reflection questions I have here are, how long does it take you to close a sale? That's very important. How committed is your team to executing um, an innovation strategy? And then three is, um, how does the innovation create a new market or an existing market? So to answer that question, so this year for 2021, I, um, or last year, I, I brought in 
what I saw on the West Coast, what I saw in Australia with these bounce houses. And I introduced it to the Hamptons. Not introduced it because I'm sure somebody was doing it before. But I brought it to the Hamptons market. And it was it was invaluable to my bottom line. I think at the end of the day, the initial numbers that came in, I made like 70000 in the 15 weeks of the summer just off of the bounce house rentals. So, boom. It was amazing. An amazing um, innovation. Um, as far as my business is concerned. So now I got to think about what am I going to do for this summer? And so those are the conversations that um, that you need to have. So yes, MPB, I, this will be saved on my IG lives. Um, I mean, IG TV. All right, so let's look at number seven because we're almost 43 minutes in. I don't want to go past like an hour of me talking. Um, so this is a huge one for me. And I'm sure everybody that's on here can attest to this one. And it's this idea of leveraging your network. Like your network is your net worth, hands down. Who you align yourself with in business can make or break your bottom line. Like I truly, truly believe that. Um, This year, it was great for me as far as aligning myself strategically with business owners. So the first one was Hava. And I, I shared this story with you before where she, she dropped me a DM and she's like, um, I can help you with your business um, to grow your business. I go to her page. It's no picture. It's like two followers. I'm like, what? What is this? But I stepped out on a limb. I said, let's set up a Zoom call and let's rock it. And Hava is my closer. She was the one who was instrumental in making sure I made that 70000 with these bounce houses because she finessed my clients. She finessed these people to spend $1,000 on a bounce house, and I didn't have to do it. So that was one strategic um, partnership. The next was Tati and Joe of um, La Bella Bash Balloons. So same thing. They came to me, and they were like, you got the bounce houses. You're going to need balloons. So I said, okay, can you put together something? Because I have no idea how much balloons cost. Let's figure out some packages. Child, they came to me with like a five-page presentation with examples and pictures with everything. And I was just like, okay. And guess what? If I made the money, they made the money too in the Hamptons with me with these balloon garlands. And it worked. It was like this this, um, cross-sell, however you call it. It worked. It worked. So I didn't have to think about um, making the bounce houses pretty. I just referred them or I said to my client, These are who I, this is who I use. Boom. The rest is history. And it worked flawlessly. Hold on. I got to drink some wine. Um, so basically, you are able to increase your scope and the ability to make profit. I can't do balloons, but I want these bounce houses to photograph beautifully so that I can get new clients. Joe and Tati were able to do that, and it made all of us a profit. And then the idea to partner for referrals. So whenever I had a bounce house client that wanted balloons, I referred them and vice versa. Um, And then you're able to stay visible and stay connected. Um, Yes, it's definitely collaboration over competition. And I even go as far as I referred a lot of business out for people who have um, kids' chairs and tables because I was tired. Like, I was tired. And there were so many events where I'm like, I'm just not making that two-hour drive to South Jersey. Here's somebody that's down there, so I'm just going to refer. 
And I did that a lot this summer. My husband was in my ear. Why are you doing that? Why, don't do that. You don't refer out. You're not driving. So, like, stop. But what I was able to do is, one, I know everybody in my area who has kids' tables and chairs. Because there are all, there's always going to be a time where I don't feel like doing something or I don't have enough. Whatever the situation is. I want to always be able to provide my clients with something. And I tell you. Nine times out of 10, they still come back to me when they want to re-rent. It never fails. Um, so these are the self-reflection questions. Do you know the businesses in your area that have complementary products or services? Like who can you partner with to increase your profits? The next thing is, do you offer vendor incentives? So this is something that I go back and forth with. And initially I did it and then I stopped is this idea of giving event planners discounts. And I know several rental companies that do it, but it depends. Like I'm really wishy-washy with that. It depends. But what I will do is with the bundling that I'm, I'm rolling out, I'll offer discounts with that. But right now I don't necessarily do the vendor, vendor incentives, but that's something that I am thinking about. And it has to be very strategic you know like a tiered system kind of thing but definitely it's something that it would benefit several businesses to do um <laughs> tiffany you need a closet tiffany you need a closet yes honey you do you do um <laughs> what did you say this life is worth ignoring hubby and the kids <laughs> um that money will come back tenfold yes it definitely does it definitely does Sorry, I'm I'm looking at my comments. Okay, I didn't I didn't miss anything yet. Okay, I got like 15 minutes. Um, so let's let's go to number eight. So number eight is talking about tracking, right? So we do all of this work, we plan, you gotta track what you're doing. You have to understand your numbers. You have to look at your numbers. Like I look at my bank account multiple times a day, I look at my my sales multiple times a day on Square. Um, it's, it's just, I'm obsessed, right? I'm obsessed with the numbers because I work hard. I work very long hours. I'm constantly up. I want to make sure that these hours that I'm taking away from my family, the money is going to come in to support it. Um, so that's weekly, monthly checking in with your teams to check these smart goals that you've done and, and track those progresses. And then also a big thing that we just spoke about with this whole style shoot idea is beware of the cost of client acquisition. So beware of the money you're spending to acquire clients. That's something that has to work for your bottom line and not put you in the hole. Like what I did this year, and I spent about $1,500 to do this, was you know many people at the end of the year in December, they give their um, top clients gifts. I do it at the end of my big sale season. So I did it like July, August. And I spent about $2,000 to give gifts to my top selling, um, top paying clients. Um, I think I did it for about 10 people. And it's, it's, it's what I do because I know that they will constantly put me, refer me. They will constantly use my business. Um, so that is not what I'm speaking about. I'm speaking about getting new clients. What money are you spending for new people, for, for attracting new clients? All right. I'm going to keep, I'm going to go a little bit swifter. So number nine, um, what are we calling that? Maximizing your cash flow. So 
this is something that I am working on right now because I've never had a huge overhead and now I do. So it's something that I'm working diligently to maximize. So this idea of shifting the cost of a fixed to a variable expense to give you greater flexibility. So an example that I thought about for this for this situation is if you're paying your sales team hourly, I would flip that to a commission and see how that works. Um, because I don't necessarily, I may not always have sales. Um, so I don't necessarily want to pay somebody say 20 hours a week, but with commission base, if you bring in people on a, from a sales aspect, I'll give you that 20%. And for me, it's more beneficial. I, everybody's making money and I don't have to come out of pocket for work that's not done. Um, the next thing is just the opposite. It shift a variable expense to a fix if it proves to assist with minimizing your work output, excuse me, your work output and flexibility. So it's those ideas of thinking about what your costs are and managing your cash flow. So this is back to what I'm talking about with looking at your accounts, your bank accounts, you know, regularly. All right, so we're on to the last one here. Number 10. What is number 10? Um, let me find it. Ooh, child, where is it? Now, of course, when I get to the last one, I can't find the freaking slide. Oh, my gosh. Hold on. Let me go back up to the top. Yes, number 10. Okay, so for number 10, you want to look for ways to lower your overall, um, your fixed overhead. So what I thought about this is if you have a physical space and you have rent, but you have space to include like another vendor to sublet the space from you, that would be ideal. Like for instance, many people work from home and they don't necessarily have the space at home to prep for an event or prep their business. So if you have like a warehouse space or a huge um, location, I know Cece does this with her business in um, Massachusetts, is um, this is little uh, celebrations, party rentals, is that she has created spaces to do like Zumba classes for um, Zumba instructor instructors. And different kinds of um, businesses come in to use her space to teach classes, to, um, you know, prep for whatever um, uh, events they have. So thinking of ways to lower your overhead is, is paramount to, you know, your bottom line is profits are concerned. So you're constantly, consistently looking for ways to lower your fixed overhead and understanding what your fixed overhead is. Like on my computer right now, I have a list of my bills. Um, and anytime I add something new, I put it up there. Like what are, what are my fixed overheads? So I know any given month, $10,000 is what I need in sales in order to cover that fixed overhead. So those are things you have to know and understand. Um, so those are my 10 things, but I do have something else. Uh, let me find it. Ooh, I don't remember the order now, but these are the overall sentiments or the overall takeaways that I want everybody to walk away with. Um, yes, yeah, CC says it helps so much with her, with her, um, with her overall um, overhead. So the first thing is cash is the lifeline of your business. You got to have money coming in. And 
Profit is what fuels your business, not sales. So yes, sales are excellent. You want to have as much sales as you want, but it's what you're keeping. It's not what you're, you're, you have coming in. It's what you're keeping after you have all your expenses out. That is what's important. If you spend more than you make, your business is going to die. And then finally, hard times are expected and a business with cash on hand can survive. So that's where I'm at right now with all these damn IFC and uh, Omar Cron, Omarion variants right now because business is slow, slow. And I still got bills to pay, right? I still got that, that list of bills that need to be paid every month. So, and this year I accumulated new business, I mean, new bills with the warehouse, with the van. Um, that has to be paid no matter what's happening for, from the sales aspect. So it's very vital that you understand that cash is king and you have to pro you have to plan for situations like this whole um oh covid stuff you know cuz it's not it's not simple it's not simple so this is a person that i follow on instagram and she says that um Profit is not something to add on at the end. It is something to plan for in the beginning. And so that is the overall sentiment is that in order to maximize your profits, you have to plan for that. You have to plan for every eventuality like this now, what's happening with COVID. Like you have to have that pocket of reserve so that you can survive no matter what the situation is outside of your business. Um, and I feel like... Is that everything? Yes, honey, that's everything. So this is how you can connect with me. So I have the two eBooks that you see there in the corner. So the first one was just about my um, journey with um, starting Petite Seats and offering resources. And then the next one is I did the last lockdown. <laughs> so I was like, I got to make some money coming in. Um, so it was the idea of um, creating a digital product that, people can use if they were planning their parties at home. Um, and so that's what this was. And then of course my um, email and all of my social media pages. So if you have any questions, please, please ask. Um, tell me if it was a thumbs up, if you like this. I feel like I was going super fast, but I wanted to finish in an hour. And um, if you have any questions, let me know. If there's anything else you want me to speak about in a subsequent thing, I think I'm gonna do these weekly. Um, let me know as well because I I love doing this stuff. Um, it was touch and go with this whole PowerPoint thing because it didn't save how I wanted to, but it worked out. So I am um, going to save it, of course. And that is it. Yes, yes, yes. It'll definitely, um, it'll definitely be here saved. you're so late no it's gonna be saved it's gonna be saved so don't worry about it don't worry about it at all um so i'm gonna sign off right now and i feel accomplished because i got three minutes to spare because my husband is like you're gonna be here all night i'm like no nope, it's gonna be fast um and spend time with these babies because you know i'm homeschooling which is a whole nother tab opening in my brain so i have to um i gotta plan for that for tomorrow's lessons are part of speech and long division so I got to get there. Oh, here's a question. Do you take any classes on financial aspect of the business? How do you pay yourself? How much to save for taxes? So for taxes, I always take a 30%. Um, I do that 
at the twice a month on the 15th and then the 30th um, of whatever the sales are for the, for the month. That is how I do taxes. I'm going to um, DM me and I'll, and I'll send you, I posted this somewhere else, my formula for paying myself. Um, DM me and I'll, I'll attach, I think it was a live that I did before. Oh no, it was a, it was a reel that I did, uh, how I pay myself. I'll, I'll send it to you. Um, and can you, yes, I will resend the link. I'll put it back in my stories for the, the, um, worksheets for today. Um, and yes. Uh-oh, notifications will be turned on. Caddy, I miss you, mama. You know, I'm still coming to visit you. I just got to get my life together. I want to see the new space. I want to touch and feel and see you. So I'm definitely, I'm planning. So plan for me this month. I'm going to come up to Rhode Island to visit. Um, I just got to get myself together because, you know, I'm supposed to be off. So this is the best time for me to come. A class on the financial part of business would be great. Definitely. Uh, I'm glad it was so easy to follow. New follower. Yes. All right, you guys. Have a wonderful, wonderful Monday. Is today Monday? Tuesday. Have a wonderful, wonderful Tuesday. Um, can you add a number for, for, for payment? For, yes. I'll, I'll put it in my stories for um, the worksheets. Oh, you know what I just noticed? I just noticed three questions here. So the first one was, do you have a full-time job? So, honey, I, I just quit my um, or resigned from my... 17-year gig um, as a New York City teacher slash assistant principal, September 14th. So in my um, strategic planning, I told myself that as soon as I make three times what I make on my job, I would quit. And I did that for two years in a row. So it was time to go. And then with all of these COVID restrictions, it was definitely time. So September 14th was the day I resigned. So no more full-time job. And when, he, when I tell you, it's hard because I'm used to that check. But at the same time, um, it's I have the freedom. My time is my own. Like that in and of itself is something that I can't, I can't put a cost on. So I, I, I love that freedom. And the thing is, it's not something that I took lightly. If I were able to work and do it, yep, I would do it. I, I love working. I love that steady paycheck. But it was just for me. One, I, I moved further out from the city. I'm now 70 miles outside of Manhattan. So going to work every day was just not it. It wasn't going to work. Um, so that is, that's why I don't have it. So yes, the, the sheets, I will, I will, like I said, I'll put in my stories. Um, so you have. Yes, freedom is the goal. All right, you guys. So I am signing off. I'm going to make sure I save this. I'm going to put the worksheet in the stories and have a wonderful Tuesday and a great week.